to Dropping Balls with Tim and Ben, an NBA Draft History Podcast, part of the 48 Minutes Podcasting Network. Check us out at 48MinutesNetwork.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Dropping Balls NBA Draft History Podcast here on the 48 Minutes Network. Tim Daniel, ready to bring you the 1998 draft on tap with none other than my good pal, my man, a hundred grand, Mr. Ben Brown. What's going on, pal? Hey, man, you see it, baby. Ready to do some work tonight and excited about this 98 draft. But, you know, we're about to record some podcast gold. So Pod- let's get it cracking. Podcast gold, that's right. So before we get into it, we got to go ahead and start somewhere. Um, this was the, this is the first show on the 48 Minutes Network, as you know, besides myself and the 48 Minutes regular show. Uh, she goes up every week, every time during the week uh, with myself, Sean Mackey, and Alex Derrickson. This is the first time that the 48 Minutes team has been on air since we were lucky enough to be credentialed and cover the Big Three Professional Basketball League in Lexington this past weekend. And first things first... We gotta say big ups and big thanks to Ice Cube for letting this young, small, independent podcast with no backing and only 175 Twitter followers get our little get our name out there a little bit. That really helped us a ton, and uh, a great experience. Had a blast, man. There's a lot of guys we're gonna talk about in this draft today that we saw play this weekend. We saw a lot of guys just who were just great shape, look like they could still play at the NBA level. Um, and then it was just cool just seeing everyone walk in and out. We got to be in all the press conferences. We were we were on top of everything at Reparita that day. If you didn't catch our coverage at 48minutesnetwork.com, you want to see all the – we did the game-by-game recaps. We got some press conference stuff up there on our Instagram page, at 48minutesnetwork. Ben, 48 Minutes was owning Big 3 coverage this weekend. Yes, it did. Um, it was really fun and really cool to be able to see it from a – different perspective uh from a first uh point of view there you guys did an excellent job of covering that um it's such an amazing thing and how big this thing has grown the big three i mean it has become almost kind of like a phenomenon i mean mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stars that follow it i mean when you when you watch the games on fs1 i mean there's all kinds of celebrities in the crowd Ice Cube, of course, is always there because he's the owner. Uh, but you have, uh, I mean, the stars follow it. Uh, NBA players follow it. It is becoming something that gives you that little bit of basketball. For the basketball junkie, it gives you that little bitty fix before you start to get into NBA camps and, and start to get into the NBA season. It has filled a great void uh, for those who love the NBA. I'll tell you what I really noticed, man, that was really cool. And we noticed it during the press conferences. Um, so the first press conference was a three-headed monsters team. That was Gary Payton, Mahmoud Adurouf, and Richard Lewis from the press conference. And I got to talk to Gary Payton for a minute, which was, like, amazing. Uh, we talked about they ran this crazy good pick and roll with Kwame Brown being the pick and Mahmoud being the guy with the ball, controlling the ball. And I asked Gary Payton in the press conference about that, and he gave me this crazy good answer about how the pick and roll works. And it was like, I know how it works, but the way he explained it made me feel like I was learning more things about it. And then the whole time he's doing this, I kid you not, he is like staring me dead straight in the eye, not breaking eye contact at all. Like, he is so intense that as cool as it is that he's talking to me, I was scared. Well, yeah, when you're dealing with 
a, you know, the glove, one of the premier defenders um, ever to play in the league, one of the premier trash talkers to ever play in the league, he has still got that competitive juice. So when you're looking mm-hmm. into his eyes, I mean, it, you're seeing that competitive killer that made him such a great point guard and defender for all those years. And, and they speak about their sport with passion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like with anybody else when you interview them. They've got passion about what they're doing. They got passion about their league, and those guys are prideful, man. I mean, they they are former, they are former pro athletes. They are former all stars. They are former guys that have been in big games, playoff games, championships, uh, NBA finals. I mean, that fire still burns them, I and you can see it in them when they're playing in the games, and you can see the coaches. One of the cool things they do. Um, you know, they mic up the coaches, they mic up the players. I mean, and you can see those guys are still going at it. I mean, they're still, you know, you know, talking trash and they're still trying to figure out ways to win games. I mean, it is it is really cool to see those guys compete and compete still at a fairly high level, higher than probably ninety percent of the world. I yeah. mean, outside of, of current NBA players. Some of those guys could probably still be on a NBA roster yes. and do quite well. Yeah, so. just, here's what Sean and I definitely decided, though, from watching the game. One, Mahmoud Abdul-Roof is definitely the old guy that goes to the rec center and just dominates people. <laughs> like, he's that guy that people yeah. walk in that don't know who he is. Like, oh, man, here comes Grandpa wanting to play basketball. And he starts dropping mm-hmm. dimes and hitting baskets on them and taking them to the rim. He's oh, that yeah. guy. But one thing that really stuck out to me was the last game was the Tri-State team. That's uh, Bonzi Wells' team. Mm-hmm. That Julius Irving normally coaches, but he wasn't there. I was heartbroken about that. Oh, um, yeah. And they played the Ghostballers team with Ricky Davis and Mike Bibby. Ironically, are going to be featured on this episode today. Um, yes, they are. And you could see that like he was so... Not just him, but it was he, he kind of stuck a little more than me because he was the last guy we, we had the press conferences. But they're so grateful to be playing on this level. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so cool because you could see that... Like you mentioned, they really had that passion and that competitive nature because of where they played, and they got to do it again. And yes. you could really see it, like not just him, but Kenyon Martin. You could see Kenyon Martin didn't score any points in his game, but he made two ridiculous blocks that just brought the house down. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Jackson's team just a killer threes. They lost to the threes company team, which is normally Allen Iverson's team, but obviously he was suspended. So Demar yes. Johnson stepped in. Steven Jackson, Chauncey Billows, man, they played their hearts out. And when they lost that game, they knew they were out of contention to be in the playoffs. They were crushed, and you could see it. And so mm-hmm. it it was just so cool to see just how much they, they cared about this. It wasn't they came to collect a payday or try to grasp on their last their last breath of being athlete, professional athletes. Like, this really mattered to them, and you really saw that in the competition. Yeah, you can you can feel that through the TV as well. Like when you're watching them, you don't feel like those guys are mailing it in, man. They are competing and they are getting after it. Um, it that's that is a cool thing to see, and I know I'm you know it's good for you guys that you got to see that firsthand. Um, those guys, I mean, they're always going to be competitors. Those are the guys that it doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're playing you in checkers, they're going to try to beat you and take every every red or black piece and try to king you and I mean those are the guys that get after it all the time and so when you see that passion in those guys a lot of those guys are looking for redemption as well man I mean 
You know, you think of a guy like a Kwame Brown, you know, a guy that should probably should still be in the league. He probably still should be a competitive basketball player. But now he's getting that opportunity to kind of show that, hey, man, you know what? I've got – I still have skill and I've still got ability. Um, Ricky Davis is another one. Ricky Davis yeah. could help a team out. You, I mean, he could still help a team out. Lance Stevenson – or um, I forget the other Deshaun guy's Stevenson. Name. Deshaun Stevenson. I mean, those guys are all guys that could probably help be in the league still. So, you know, all of that and their competitiveness – it's fun to watch that. That it's really cool. And Ice Cube, man, I'm gonna tell you what, he has, he has really, really um, sat on a gold mine here because you're always gonna have guys that are, uh, you know, they'll re- retire, but still have the joy and the passion for the game, and the Big Three gives them an outlet for that. I just have this feeling, man. I know because Cube and Kobe are tight. I just mm. have this weird feeling. That Kobe Bryant's competitive itch is going to come back, and we're going to see Kobe Bean Bryant play in this league <laughs> next year. Maybe not every game because you know he's Kobe; he can do whatever he wants. Correct. But if Kobe Bryant's at the Staples Center this Sunday when they play, he's in next year. It's happening. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking about players that had just maybe just retired, or maybe like there's some that came to mind. Kobe was one. Shaq was one. KG was one. Um, these are guys that I think that's that I think they were probably waiting to see if the league was going to be successful. Yeah. And now they see that it's really a successful league. They'll be like, man, you know what? I got one more pick and roll in me. Yep. I got I got I got one more basket in me. And I think that those guys that are were waiting to see what this league was going to look like will now be all in and they'll be like you know what I, I think I could do that because like you said they don't have to play in every game they don't even have to travel to every city but if a Kevin Garnett they play um, in the target center and Kevin Garnett is on a big three team yeah. think of how big that draw is I mean for that league uh, I mean you I mean also you know if you're going in the Staples Center you got Shaq and Kobe I mean that's that's a pretty great draw for anyway, I mean, they'll sell out the Staples Center. Yeah. Sean and I had a five-minute discussion on why Tayshaun Prince needs to be in that league as far as his length and half-court half court offense. That was oh, like our yeah. big, like, yeah, that needs to happen. Last thing on the big three before we move into the draft, one more shout-out. Well, besides Ice Cube, Alex Jacobs, and the big three crew, thank you, of course, for helping 48 minutes out. But shout-out to LL Cool J for retweeting 48 minutes and... We had never had so much attraction on our Twitter account because of one thing that LL Cool J retweeted for us. He was doing it, doing it, and doing it well for us. <laughs> LL Cool J is hard as hell is what they say. So, you know, shout out to LL. Um, like I said, man, the Big Three has a lot of star power behind it, man. And it's really cool to see all these guys get behind a league that was just uh, – you know, Ice Cube wanted to see some guys that he used to love still play. And he was like, man, I think that these guys will do it. And I think that all the people that got behind it, I mean, it's been, it has been really cool to see um, it grow from just a thought and a, and a possible maybe to what it is now where you're playing in Rupp Arena, you're playing in the Staples Center, you're playing in all these great arenas and you've got stars coming out from that city to watch your teams play. I think it's amazing. 
Yeah, and it's so awesome that he planned out the, their championship game to be the week, in Vegas the week of Maywe- Mayweather McGregor. Genius. Yeah, that is genius. I mean, I mean that uh, you know you don't get rich by being dumb. So I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing, and and that all kind of fell together. And that's that's going to be an amazing weekend. Even though Mayweather's going to wipe the floor with McGregor, but um, that'll be an amazing weekend. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So let's go ahead and bring us back. Let's turn back the clock to almost 20 years ago. Don't remind me. 1998. (laughs) What happened in 1998? Well, I'll tell you. It's a great year for basketball, my friends. Michael Jordan just hit his last shot and played his last game. So we thought. Or so we thought. The Chicago Bulls just finished off their second their second three-peat of the 90s as they win their sixth NBA championship in a six-game series over the Utah Jazz where Michael Jordan gets yet another finals MVP. Mm-hmm. The Kentucky Wildcats under first-year coach Tubby Smith won the NCAA championship over a young Utah team who had a sharpshooter player by the name of Keith Van Horn on their team. Absolutely. We all remember that name, right? Uh, yes, we do. And then we hear about this young center who has traveled the world and is supposed to take the center position by storm because move over Shaquille O'Neal, here comes Michael Oluwakandi. That was actually never said. Ever. Never, (laughs) ever said. (laughs) So let's talk about Mr. Oluwakandi here, man. This was the first pick in the 1998 draft. He was supposed to be the, the man. He was supposed to be the star. He was taken very high in boat number one, coming from Nigeria, from the United Kingdom, played at Pacific, mm-hmm. not a very big school, where Damon Sadlemeyer now coaches. Yes, he does. And so, Oluwa Candy comes in. Talk about this man, because this is a guy, if you look at everyone else's draft in that top ten, top nine, they're mm-hmm. from big schools. Mm-hmm. This kid came from Pacific, was taken number one overall, had a lot of hype. What did you think about Ola Candy compared to the other guys trapped behind him, like the Bibbies, the LaFrances, the Jamesons, obviously the Vinsanities? Um, <clears throat> the one thing that I remember about Ola Candy um, coming out of the Pacific was that the the knock on him was that that that's what it was that he hadn't really played anybody. Um, he went to a small school, but it, it, the rule always applies: you can't teach height, but you can't teach skill. So they're thinking, you know, we get a big dude. Um, he can play the center position. And, and Michael Olawakandi was not a slouch in college. I mean, Michael Olawakandi was a decent college player. Um, the only knock that, that was against him was that he did go to Pacific. But other than that, I mean, Olawakandi was a decent player in college um, and, and played well. And, and I believe his team, I'm not sure if his team made the tournament that year in college or not. But, um, you know, he was a, a well-touted player um, coming out of college. Obviously, he was the number one pick, but I don't remember him sticking out more than the other guys that followed behind him. I mean, there were some pretty big stars, some guys that put in some great years in the league. One is still putting in – actually, two are still putting in great years in the league. Um, and I don't remember him – being bigger than those guys and I remember the knock on it was is that why are you taking a guy that's really kind of unproven and making him the number one pick um, in front of the guys that we're going to discuss obviously coming after this draft 
Yeah, it definitely had that, you know, um, that crazy vibe of, you know, this kind of out of nowhere, small center guy, but had the build. And you're like, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be great. And it was anything but. Now, the numbers do not show number one pick overall, and he's going to be considered Mm -hmm. a bust for, Mm -hmm. you know, his his tenure in the NBA. But. Mm 8 and 6 has been pretty good. 8th, ninth guy, second big man off the bench numbers, but not not when you're the number 1 pick overall. Not when Rafe LaFrance is taken third. Absolutely. Um yeah, that that he didn't have the numbers that he should have. Um but I do uh, I I almost got to give him a pass. Not really a pass. I can't say that. Um he, he was drafted to the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the Clippers through the 90s and the early 2000s, that was a horrible, horrendous franchise. But they had dope jerseys. Um, they did. Have, they, yes, they did. They they did have the freshest jerseys. I I will have to admit that. But that that franchise through the through the 90s and and the early 2000s was horrendous. So. Uh, it's not like he, uh, you know, it's not like he got drafted to a great team, which most number one picks don't get drafted to a great team. But he had, uh, Tell I don't that think he had anybody, Worthy. right? Oh, good point. <laughs> but you know, I don't think he had a whole bunch of stars around him, um, and he was a Clipper man. I mean, that that franchise for the longest time. I mean, that was like purgatory. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was awful. So. I think he did what he could. Um, I don't think he. I mean, I think he gave you everything that he had. I just don't think that 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 franchise as a whole was very good. So you're right. You're absolutely right. But I'm already tired of talking about Michael Olakandy. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let's he, talk about yeah. let's talk about Mike Bibby, who I saw play this weekend in the Big Three, mm-hmm. who was drafted by the Vancouver Grizzlies, who also had really fresh jerseys. They did. Yeah. Very much so. And we talk about that Kentucky team that just won the 98 championship. Um, Mike Bibby is solely one of the many, the three responsible for Kentucky not three-peating in that 96 mm-hmm. or 98 run along with the Chicago Bulls. Bibby was the man. We have two point guards in this draft between Bibby and White Chocolate who were just unbelievable with Pat with dishing the ball and making things happen. Shot, shot makers, shot creators. And... He was the perfect first of the two. Bibby was excellent. Obviously, we know about his great NBA career with the Kings. He had a little bit of a Nick tenure, even you know his time in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Boy, could and still can bowl. Absolutely, um, Mike Bibby to me was such a great competitor. Uh, I remember him on those Arizona teams. Him and Miles Simon um, when they played Kentucky in '97. I mean, he would that guy competed um he was a great shooter he was a great leader on the floor and you could see that when he played um especially when he played with the kings uh with chris weber vlade peja mm-hmm. um he was the leader of that team i mean bobby he, jackson bobby jackson i mean he made some you know he he led that team to some great great seasons and we've talked about this before I mean, outside of running into Shaq and Kobe every year, I mean, they arguably were the best team in the West for a long, you know, for that that stretch of time outside of the Lakers. I mean, it, that was the only issue is that you had Shaq and Kobe standing in their way every time. But 
Mike Bibby was an, a, an amazing player. And watching the big three, I mean, he still has it. I mean, he still can shoot. Mm-hmm. He still has, you know, he still can dribble and ball control, and he's still a great leader. Um, you you still see those things now. Uh, Mike Bibby was was a, a great player. Yeah, he is man. And that was a guy. He was awesome. So that brings us to three. We got Rafe LaFrance. You know, I'm really just going through this to get defense Carter, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. Now Rafe LaFrance. Uh, also part of that rookie team. He is the guy that most people remember received the infamous elbow pass elbow. from White Chocolate. And didn't do anything with it. He's yep. a bomb. Yep. <laughs> and, um, all right, we just summarized Ray LaFrance's NBA career. All right. Thank yeah. you, Ray LaFrance. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. But did play 11 years in the league, Denver, Dallas, Boston, and Portland. Of course, he leaves Boston right before KG, Pearson, Ruh. Ray Allen for come in and make things happen, but absolutely, you know, Ray Lafrance was there. Yeah, he yeah he missed that window, but mm-hmm. oh well. Yeah, uh-huh. and I bring this too. For how loaded this draft is, you know, we're still, man, it is. Yeah, I it know. is. Let's go to Antoine Jamison, who Ben we can put on the list for the first guy of the day. That play with LeBron James. That's right. That's right. And man. Antoine Jameson, drafted by the Toronto Raptors, traded to the Golden State Warriors for his college teammate Vince Carter, something that had never been seen, seen before. And you would talk about a guy who had a great NBA career, too. You're talking about two-time All-Star, sixth man of the year, one of the best North Carolina basketball players of all time. An unbelievable 18.5 career average, 20,000 points. Antoine Jameson was awesome. Yes, he was. One of my favorite players. Um, Antoine Jameson... Could could shoot had a nice you know fit twelve fifteen eighteen foot jumper um, could bang he could bang with the big boys um, he was just a monster inside um, he was a guy that any team he went to he instantly made them better he was a guy that everybody wanted him in that clubhouse everybody wanted him on the floor because they knew that he was going to get buckets and give you everything I mean twenty thousand career points man. Antoine James, 16 years in the league. That's just impressive enough. I mean, Antoine Jameson uh, is one of my, one of my for that era, one of my favorite players. Me too. Me too. Um, he was also on the cover of NCAA March Madness 99. Remember that, Ed? Uh, shut up, Ed O'Banion. Go away. <laughs> and we get to talk about a man who has not just done this for so long, but he's still doing it. And he's now a member of the Sacramento Kings. He's mm-hmm. played for a lot of teams, but we'll always remember him for his Toronto days as Vince Sanity, Mr. Vince Carter, Mr. Half Man, Half Amazing, all the coolest Eric, nicknames ever. I just call him Mr. Future Hall of Famer. Air Canada, man. Dude. I mean, they they named the Dagon Marina after him. I mean, yeah. Air, Air Canada. I mean, you could say it's after the airport and the planes. Nope. It was Vince Carter. Yep. It's Vince Sanity. The legacy that Vince carries is amazing because it's still being added. I mean, you could saw it last year in Memphis. Fisdale knew how to use him perfectly for his getting eight minutes a game out of him out of the bench. He still showed ridiculous athleticism. Like, he's that dude that's never not going to be athletic mm-hmm. and is going to dominate the big three in a couple years if it's still around. Yes, he and, will. And um, it's just so good still. And I think, you know, with these young guys that are going to Sacramento, the Scalabicias, the Aaron Foxes, um, Harry Giles, 
Having mm-hmm. Vince Carter there to help these kids out is huge for that growth. Oh, yeah. I mean, Vince Carter's seen it all, man. I mean, he's seen it from, from Jordan to T-Mac to Kobe to, I mean, he's seen it all. Vince Carter has been a part of darn near three eras of basketball. I mean, the Michael Jordan era. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Kobe, the Kobe, Tim Duncan, Shaq era of the late 90s and 2000s to this era, the LeBron, um, Melo, um, Dwayne Wade era. I mean, he has seen it all. And he's played, and he's played them all. And yeah. he's played it well. I mean, that guy, I mean, he's played uh, over 1,340 career games and an 18-point and four-rebound uh, average. I mean, that guy has done it all. I mean, he. I mean, he's been a slam dunk champion. He is an eight-time All Star. He was the Rookie of the Year, two times All NBA, All Rookie Team. I mean, dunk contest. His dunk contest, and and people will argue this. His dunk contest is the most legendary thing that has happened in the NBA. And I understand that there's going to be Michael Jordan people that are like, "Well, Michael Jordan jumped from the free throw line," and I'm a Michael Jordan guy. Don't get me wrong. That's that's my basketball. But Vince Carter's slam dunk contest, you will be hard-pressed to find anyone in anything that's been better. The closest thing to it was the 88 dunk contest with Dominique and Jordan and Zach Levine, the show he put on a couple years ago. Those three, for me, are tops. But Vince Carter's is memorable. I mean, he just put on a show. He did, and it's the best because he is Vince Carter, and yes. it's just kind of, I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> just but, a little, just a bit. <laughs> but it's because it is one of my you know my grow my heroes growing up. I loved him and T Mac in Canada together. I wish they would have stayed together, or they would have got a couple years in Orlando together. For Vince shows up there, and then T Mac goes on to Houston. But it was Houston. it's all good. Absolutely, man. That those two together were. Um, they were dynamic. That was, I mean, I just wish, like you said, I wish they were together longer, and I wish T Mac had came into his own during that time. I wish T Mac was the Houston Rockets T Mac when Vince Carter was where he was at that time uh, in Toronto, and because Vince was already a star, T Mac had just you know kind of right. came on. He was young. And, and T-Mac wasn't the T-Mac we know right. yet. And I wish those two had had that time together where they were just on top of the world. T-Mac was just, you know, on top of the world. And Vince Carter was the man who could just fly and dunk. And, you know, he was just amazing. T-Mac, or those two together would have been amazing. But Vince Carter, I, I have to give him props. I mean, he's just... I think he'll be 41 years old when the season, when you know, as the season goes on. Uh, yep, he January. still gets. Yeah, I mean, he still gets quality minutes. Um, he's a now. I mean, he's in that mentor role. I mean, and he is outlast outlasted everyone but one, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Which I, I can't wait to get to him, but. Yeah, Vince Carter. Vince Carter, amazing player, um, and and I love to watch. I love watching his career, uh, and I look forward to what he's going to do with those young guys in Sacramento. Not to mention, he's still in ridiculous shape. Like that's what I would look like when I'm forty. 
Oh man, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so we move on here to the sixth pick, which the Mavericks trade to Milwaukee for that certain German we're going to talk about in a few picks. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Tractor Trailer at the University of Michigan. God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. It's been six years since he passed already. God, yes, it has. That's crazy, man. Yes, it has. Robert Tractor Trailer at Michigan was filthy good. This was when the Big Ten basketball was really kind of not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and Michigan was still kind of recovering from the Fad Five. And he was the guy that really kind of brought them back a little bit to that national spotlight. His NBA career, obviously, not what anyone thought it would be. A couple stops in Cleveland. Played for Milwaukee. Went to Charlotte and New Orleans. Was part of that move. But... You know, had his time, and also you could put him on the list of 2004-2005 playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which means... He played with LeBron James. That's right. Wow. Yeah. LeBron's got a, LeBron's got a long laundry list, dude. Dude, Jeez, you know that, like, Browns jersey of, like, all the quarterbacks' names? <laughs> this is that. This is that. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So that brings us to the aforementioned white chocolate directed by the Kings at, at seven. And white chocolate had a lot of great years in the NBA, all rookie first team, a 10 and six guy as far as points and assists. The key, part of those Kings teams goes on the Memphis and that or the Bibby deal. Wins an NBA championship with the Miami Heat, but with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal with him and Gary Payton are sharing point guard duties. Mm-hmm. That team was sick. And yes, they were. I think we've talked about it all the time. I think I've talked about it like forty times on this show, to be honest with you. But Bib, you know, White Chocolate was was the dude, one of the best passers I've ever seen. Obviously, wasn't the big three. Got hurt the first week, but yes, he did. White Chocolate. Not, can we say any more about his awesomeness? Oh man, I one of the one of the funnest people to watch play basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to talk about a guy that plays the game with a kid's spirit. I mean, he would go out there and throw all these crazy passes. Um, he could shoot the lights out. I mean, I think people forget how well he shot the basketball. I mean, he was a, a 80% free throw shooter and 47, almost 48% from the field. I mean, he was a he was a really good shooter. Uh, but he was also one of those guys that, that – uh, he was fun to watch because it was like he brought back that showtime atmosphere mm-hmm. to basketball. And I mean, he could just, he did a lot of great things. I'll never forget the time, you know, watching him cross over Gary Payton and then him making that layup and them two coming back and Gary Payton looking at him like, man, do you know who I am? What are you doing to me? And it was, it was just fun to watch. Jason Williams was, was, was a special player. Yes, he was. Then we got an eight Philly taking Larry Hughes. Also on the LeBron James list. Yes, he is. Larry Hughes, 14 years in the league, 38 years old only. Man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stops all over the place. How can I ever forget the Chicago Bulls throwing money at him? Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. That's, that's your boys. <laughs> all defensive first team, led the NBA in steals in 2005. Love Larry Hughes, had a good NBA career, did some th- 14 years, but literally might be the best play LeBron James ever had with him in that first set in Cleveland. Yes, absolutely. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Larry it's, Hughes. Nothing against Larry Hughes at all, no. But, yeah. I enjoyed Larry Hughes. I thought Larry Hughes was a, a solid player. Um, like you said, 13 years in the league, he was a journeyman. 
Um, but but uh, he was always a guy that that um, he would he would fit a role and play it. I mean, he was he was that guy. Never was a star, but I mean, even though the Bulls paid him like a star, mm-hmm. um, but well, they did. Um, but he was a he was a he was a good player. I mean, he was a good player. That's that he was, man. That he was. So that brings us to the two most important guys in this draft. So if you ever hear Bill Simmons talk about this draft, like those who don't like, obviously those those who don't know do know. Bill Simmons is a diehard Celtics fan, so he's watching this draft. He's watching everything play out. He tells the story about him and his dad, and he's like, "So the ninth pick comes, and they're picking, and I know we're either getting Dirk or Paul Pierce." He's like, "And we're just excited about either one." So, obviously in this pick, it's Dirk to the Dallas Mavericks, and the rest is history, as he is now coming up on his 20th year with the same team. We're talking mm-hmm. about NBA champion, finals MVP, MVP, 13-time All-Star, the 50-40-90 club, all these All-NBA awards. He's been great in Euroball when they play in the, you know, in the, in the, in the World Championships. He is the man the seven-foot phenomenon, the craziest signature jump shot in the world with his leg up on the fadeaway. Dirk is the best. Um, I, I mean, I I struggle to come up with how many superlatives I can talk about with Dirk Nowitzki. Um, one of my he's one of my all-time favorites. You want and the reason why is that a guy his size shouldn't have been able to do the things he was able to do on the basketball court. Uh, he's a, a legit seven foot. Um, he could shoot the lights out. He could post you up. He could get rebounds. He could get assists. He he led a team uh, to an NBA championship, was the MVP, has played in 12, you know, all, he's a 12-time All-NBA player. And this, I mean, and he's in this—he's in that same category of he's played against them all, man. I mean, it ain't like he's all NBA and he's playing against scrub. I mean, he's—he's he's going against Tim Duncan, who I feel is probably the greatest power forward of all time. No, he is. Ke- Kevin Garnett, you know, he's played against Shaq. I mean, he's played against you know uh, all the greats. And he's just put up numbers that have just been unbelievable. And to think that that trade for him, between him and I guess presumably Robert Trailer, um, I mean to see what he's done for these twenty years um, is just amazing. He is just a, a lights out player, um, a lot of fun to watch, and and you usually don't see, you know, European players come in and play the way he has played. I mean, there have been a few, but Dirk Nowitzki by far has outshined them all, and he's and he's still doing it, like you said, with the same team, man. He's never left. He's never gone to try to join on, with other people. He's ne- He has stayed with the same team, and he's been loyal to Mark Cuban and the Dallas organization. Yeah, he has. He's just, you know, he's stuck through it all. He's seen the highs and lows. The two NBA final appearances, obviously the one that they won. He saw them, and they were 2-0 lead on that 2006 Heat team. They couldn't keep it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he's been he's seen everything there, and he's stuck with it all. And that's something that's really honorable. 
him, Duncan, and Kobe. Obviously, they're they're they're, they're the loyal ones. So, gotta give them that props there for sure. Absolutely, man. Dirk Dirk Nowitzki to me just just one of the all time greats has done it for a long time, and uh, you'll be hard pressed to find another Dirk Nowitzki, man. He's just so good. He's been so good for so long, and that's the crazy part about it. He's another guy that's going to be a 20 guy, 20 years in the league, and and he'll be over 40. I mean, he's just just been an amazing player, so special to watch. Which brings us to the truth. No, no, that's that's we're talking about Paul Pierce. <laughs> Man, Paul Pierce. Talk about another guy that's had a crazy career. Who's seen ups and downs has been on the part of the biggest turnaround from year to year in a franchise in NBA history, with an 18 win Celtics team to winning an NBA championship the next year by losing just 18 games. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of All Star games, NBA champion, obviously, like I mentioned, three point shootout winner, ten time All Star game Finals MVP. But Paul Pierce, it seems like for some reason, like he gets respect, like he's a great player. He's got a lot of credentials, but for some reason, people say, "Yeah, but he's only he was only had those years because number yeah. five and number twenty. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I I don't at all. He's uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest. When this when this all shook down in the draft, and they took Paul Pierce, and I remember Paul Pierce playing in college, and he was a good player in college, but I was like, man, there's no way this guy can be can be that good in a league. He just, to me, like, it didn't seem like he moved very well. It didn't seem like he, I mean, he, I mean, he, he was a good player at Kansas. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I was like, I don't know if he can have success in the league. And I was completely a thousand percent wrong. Um, that guy took every big shot. He, I mean, win or lose, he took every big shot. Um, he, he did everything for his team was to win. Um, he got an NBA championship. He was a ten-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA. Um, I mean, he survived a stabbing. Um, That's true. I mean, I mean, Cecil Pete's. I mean, the guy to me, Paul Pierce is to me is underrated as a star and a performer. I don't think he got nearly the credit that he deserved um, because I do think. I do think that he carried his load and his weight um, his whole career. I mean, he he was a special player. Um, the truth. I mean, when you get nicknamed the truth by Shaq, I mean, you're you're uh, you're doing it, man. You're doing it. And for a long time, he was the guy that LeBron couldn't get around. He was absolutely. He was the guy in the way, of course, until that infamous. Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals Game 6 with the Heat's uh. back against the wall and we saw a man possessed just destroy the world. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. That was, absolutely. That was disgusting. Yes, it was. So, we could go, I mean, it's hard because with, normally with these, with these shows, we have a lot of time to talk about these players, but there's so many players in this draft. It's We're just trying to touch on as many as we can before we get into our mock. Um, do want to touch on Bonzi Wells, obviously being drafted by the Pistons, and mm-hmm. um, you know getting traded to the Trailblazers, where he really made a name for himself. Uh, another guy had a long NBA career, played for a long time. Um, yeah. Another big three guy that we talked about earlier. Yeah, um, Bonzi. Bonzi there for a couple years was 
one of the best three four guys in the league, man. For mm-hmm. he had a he had a four or five year stretch there where he was he was one of the one of the top guys. Yeah. I like Fonzie Wells. Especially in Portland. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he was on the Arvidas Sabonis team. Yes, he was. Gotta like those teams. Then we got mm-hmm. Michael Doliak, who was on that Utah team Kentucky beat. Won a title mm-hmm. to Heat. That's about all we can say about him. All right. Yeah, all right. Such a Michael Dickerson going to the Houston Rockets, a part of that Arizona team with Miles Simon and Mike Bibby we mentioned earlier. Absolutely. All, all NBA second team. Okay. Yes, he was. Yeah, there's Michael all Dickerson. Right. Bryce Drew, <laughs> who hit one of the most ridiculous tournament shots ever at Valpo. Yes, he did. That it. shot was amazing. That was. That was so much for Bryce Drew. Yeah, and then we've got Bryce Drew. Hold on, Bryce Drew got six years in the league. Yeah, man. Wow, I did not know that he got six years in the league. Wow. Yeah. Good for you, Bryce Drew. You drawing a retirement. There we go, Radoslav Destrovich. You had. <laughs> Some, oh, hold on. Bitch no. days. Hold on. You got to say it like Stephen A. Smith. Rosso Nostarevich. <laughs> I don't have that ability. Oh, man. He used to he used to tear that guy down. <laughs> you think you can win with Rosso Nostarevich as your center? You're crazy. Shout out Stephen A., man. Rosso Nostarevich is one of my favorites he used to say all the time. <laughs> we have Pat Garrity. We got a Notre Dame guy on the board. Holla. Pat Pat Gary could shoot the lights out, boys. Yes, he could. Yes, man, he could shoot the lights out. I liked Pat Garrity. Then a couple picks after that, we got Ricky Davis, who also in the big three and also played with LeBron James. Yes, he did. <laughs> He's also very well known for the infamous trying to get his own triple double by throwing it at the wrong basket. Oh man, don't remind me. I remember that. That was awful. Yes, it was. <laughs> Ricky Davis. He was the guy that said, what was it? No, I knew it was, uh, it was Carlos Boozer when LeBron got drafted. It said, I don't know why we're drafting LeBron. We already have players better than him at that position. And Ricky Davis like basically dis- like didn't disagree with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, they, I remember, remember that's, been, that's been flashing up lately on social media about that. Yeah. About them talking about LeBron. So let's wow. see what else we got here. Coming straight out of high school at 25, coming out of St. Patrick's High School in New Jersey, Al Harrington, who yes. was a high school phenomenon, had some great years in the NBA as well, currently playing in the Big Three also. He's only 37. Jeez, man. Oh, wow. He was so young, man. Yeah. So we go down to Nazi, Nazi Muhammad, former Kentucky Wildcat, NBA NCAA champion twice. Played yes, the league for a really long time, from ninety eight to sixteen. So he got he got eighteen years in. Yes, he did, man. Won a title Nazi, with Popovich. Nazi was uh Nazi was always the guy that people brought in that you knew I mean you knew he wasn't gonna be your starter. But you knew he wasn't going to kill you. Right. Nazi could always give you good minutes. He was a big body. He was solid. Um, very fundamental. Um, had a you know 10 to 12 foot jump shot. Had decent post moves. Played de- decent post defense. Um, I mean, it's 
I mean, unless you're a star like a Dirk Nowitzki or you're a Kobe Bryant or you're a star like that, it's hard to get 18 years in the league and not be so, quote-unquote, the guy. So for him to pull out 18, I mean, he's played a 1,000 games, only averaged 5 points, 5.8 points and 4.7 rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, to pull I mean to pull that out of your career and be there 18 years, you have to be a good guy in the locker room, and coaches must love you. That's right, man. Look at a couple picks after him. Uh, Ruben Patterson, who we knew from UC, who mm-hmm. we knew from getting in a lot of trouble at UC. Absolutely. Do you think he's a mid-teen first-round pick if he doesn't have his trouble problems? Um, I think so. I think he's he falls anywhere from you know twelve to nineteen somewhere in there. Um, him his off the court issues really kind of. I mean, it, all, it always kind of followed him wherever he went. I mean, he still had a ten year career, but um, he still should have been bigger than what he was because he was a great talent. Yeah, he was. Then we got one of the greatest Sonics ever, and Richard Lewis. Mm. Talk about a guy that can freaking jump out of the gym. Yes, and he could stretch the floor. He could shoot. He had range of the jump shot. Still got range with the jump shot. Hey, could shoot from all over. Look at those years he's in Miami, 2012, 2014. You know what that means? Yes, mm-hmm. he also played with LeBron James. <laughs> this draft class is like the LeBron James brother class. Yes, it is. You can't get away from him. Uh, we got Rafer Alston, who a lot of the kids know as Skip to My Lou in this draft. <laughs> yes, at yeah. thirty nine, man. Yeah. Oh gosh, for Katino Mobley, forty one, man. I love how, Katino. How good was Katino Mobley, dude, in Houston? How good was that guy? I know him and Steve Francis together. Yes. Oh my gosh, those two were amazing in Houston. Then right after that, you've got Miles Simon, the aforementioned, and his five NBA preseason games he played. Wow. And Miles Simon was a good player. Yeah. At Arizona, he only got five games in? Five preseason games. Did he get injured or did he just like... I mean, what's... Does anybody know his story? I mean, I know he's a, a an announcer now. I mean, he's a studio analyst. But, but like, I wonder, did, did he get hurt? Or I wonder if he just lost his love for the game? Or I don't... I don't know, but he was uh, he's a Lakers assistant coach now on Luke Walton's staff as of two months ago. Man, I tell you what, it pays to have good friends, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because wasn't he like on CBS Network or something? ESPN, like, yeah. Was he ESPN? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, to go from that, now you're an assistant coach and you've played five preseason NBA basketball games and you're an assistant coach in the NBA. Yeah, man. And then, of course... God- we got one really crazy undrafted player in this draft who had a really good NBA career, and that's Brad Miller, man. Two-time All-Star, really good seven-footer. Um, had a long time in the league from 98 all the way to 2012. Charlotte, mm-hmm. Chicago, Indiana, Sacramento, Houston, and Minnesota. Um, was never a one-year guy on any of those teams either. And he just, you know, he went in, he did the job he was supposed to do. Yes, he did. Brad Miller... The one thing I remember about Brad Miller is that he always got under the skin of Shaquille O'Neal. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Because, I mean, Brad Miller played phenomenal. I mean, he played good post-defense. He was a scrappy guy. And He's I a Pacer favorite, too. Yes, he is. And um, 
I guess Shaq didn't like that, man. But he always tried to fight Brad Miller. But Brad Miller was a scrapper, man. I like I liked Brad Miller. He he gave a lot. He was kind of the uh, early stages of Draymond. Yeah, without the athletic ability. Yeah. But yeah, he was. He was always under somebody's skin, talking trash. <clears throat> yeah, I like that dude. Yeah. So I think that's kind of all the player profiles we can go through because there's so many. Um, yeah. Let's mock this up, man. Let's let's do let's, this. All right, let's do it, brother. All right, so this time around, I have the first pick in the draft. I am the yes, Los Angeles do. Clippers. I am changing history. I am taking Dirk Nowitzki number one, and I am starting a whole new era in L.A. That's not the purple and gold. Man, just think about that. Just think if if hindsight were really a thing and the Clippers could take Dirk. I mean, just think how that changes the course of history. Right? Because... I mean, Dirk wasn't. I mean, Dirk wasn't Dirk early in his career, but I mean, he became Dirk, you know, three or four years in, which means you know that puts you at two thousand two, two thousand three, um, and there's a big draft there in two thousand three, and you could put somebody else with him. I mean, Dirk. I mean, you could have started that Clippers thing a little bit earlier with Dirk because he was going to be a stud. That'd have been a great pick for them. Yeah. All right, man. Number two at Vancouver. Um, number two. I, I mean, I love Mike Bibby. I got to keep Mike Bibby there. He's, um, yeah, he's he's a good pick there. He's what they needed, um, and and he was a flat out stud. I love Mike Bibby. So Me Mike too. Bibby would still be my choice at two. I can get behind that. Denver at three. Dikembe just leaves for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think I'll keep Rafe LaFrance there. Um, you know, I probably could have gone someone a little better. Can I at center? Yeah, it's hard. Brad Miller probably one. would be the one uh, I'd have to go. Right. Or Richard Lewis. Ooh, Richard Lewis. Ooh. Ooh. Yep, change that would have been. That would have been. Ooh. I mean, life yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been. Yeah. So four, the Golden State Warriors. Man, I um, I know this is going to sound redundant, but I love Anton Jameson there. Yep. Um, he's, I mean, he gave you know sixteen years in the league, eighteen points. You know, what we say eighteen points, almost eight rebounds a game. Um, Anton Jameson, one of my one of my all time favorites. I have to keep him there, stud player. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, I keep Toronto. We got to keep Vincent in Toronto because that's just that's history. Yeah, you can't change that. Yeah, though it was really hard not to take Paul Pierce there. It was really difficult. I'm glad you didn't because I'm taking him next. All right, <laughs> that's fine. So the Milwaukee Bucks then have Paul Pierce. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Fair enough. Absolutely. I can get behind yeah. that. All right, cool. Well, that means at Sacktown. I'm keeping white chocolate at seven, so that works for me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's ooh. Yeah, that's that's it right there. You got to keep white chocolate there. Mm-hmm. He's going to so Philly. we. Ooh man, uh, I mean, I love you. I, you know, I like Larry Hughes. Um, you know, he's a nice guy and everything, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I'm gonna have to make a move, um, and I think 
I would probably put Bonzi Wells there. Oh man, that's 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 a good one. I mean, I, I yeah, Bonzi Wells with you know with AI, I like that. Yeah, I dig that. That'd have been fun. Those have been crazy oops. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so at nine, the Dallas Mavericks. Michael Doliat. Yeah, Just how'd you know? <laughs> hmm. Did we say technically I went with Rachel Friends at three, so that means Richard Lewis was not taken there? Yeah, yeah, you still have Richard Lewis available. Okay, so it's between Richard Lewis and Brad Miller, but I think I'd go with Richard Lewis because Mashburn, Kid, and Richard Lewis would have been nasty. Yes, it would have been. Yeah, that would that would have been filthy. That would have been real filthy. Mm. All right. That brings you to 10. This is such a hard one because there's so many good players on the board still. I know. Um, and I don't have, of course, we've moved Paul Pierce up. Man. I got to, there's got to be, I'm trying to think here. There's so many good players in this thing, man. I know. Like, well, we, there's some we didn't even touch on. Yeah. Um. I would have to go. Gosh, I almost want to put Katina Mobley there. Mm, in I Boston. See, I see one that you're moving. You're skipping over. That would be a lot better. But you know, that's who, just, you, who do you see? Al Hold Harrington. On, oh yeah, Al Harrington. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Al Harrington would have been a good one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I like to retract my draft <laughs> and and move Al Harrington to ten. Yeah, that would have been a yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, man. So with that being said, that wraps up this installment of Dropping Balls in the 1998 NBA Draft. Ben and I have laid out the next couple drafts we're gonna do, so we can kind of give you guys an idea. Um, if I could find the list. As I'm talking about this, hold on. We're doing 93 next? Uh, either 93 or 87. I wasn't sure which one was coming next. 93 is next, yep. yep. 93, there we go. There's this, this draft holds a near and dear special place in my heart, for those who already know. This is the draft of Bisher <laughs> and Fernie Penny Hardaway. Yes, it is. So... Be sure yes, to check out everything on 48minutesnetwork.com as we are killing it with so much coverage, whether it be basketball, video games, sneakers. We got it all on there. Um, our show weekly updates are on there, and we're giving you all the up the up-to-date information. This week on Raw 48 Minutes, we start our season previews for teams with the Houston Rockets with my boy Nick Canizales from Houston, Texas, Waco, Texas, covering Baylor football, taking some time to talk about his beloved Rockets with us. So... Be on the lookout for that this week, everyone. Thanks again, Ben. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to talk Penny Hardaway with you. <laughs> it will be a, a beautiful draft with Mr. Anthony Hardaway. Um, there's some, also some studs in there. I cannot wait to talk about this 93 draft. I'm really excited about it. Me too. You all have a good night, everyone. This has been another installment of Dropping Balls. <laughs>